In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by my dad, Robert Knoll, to talk about the vitalness of the Holy Spirit's role in our spiritual communities and our personal faith journey, as well as the damaging repercussions that can result when a church's foundation is not built upon the Holy Spirit. This week's conversation is based on the topics and themes in chapter 19 of my book, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you enjoyed today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and on this very special episode, I have a very special guest who was afraid I wouldn't call him a very special guest, but I am. My dad, Robert Knoll. Robert Knoll. Robbie. Bob. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, son. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I I don't know. I gave you the background. You're my dad, and you're on to talk about a, have a conversation that that we have pretty often because you love talking about it, which is the Holy Spirit. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we do anything else, you have some very valuable, cool history with with our church, and I wanted to ask you to start off by giving us a general overview of yourself and your background, particularly in regards to your church and faith journey. Okay. I, first of all, am glad to be here. I've been thinking about this for a long time, ever since you started this. And it's very interesting to me because over the years, I have prayed that I would be able to help people with these sort of things. And here it is, you my son, growing up and putting together a podcast and a book, and um, it's you. You who's doing this. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. So, yeah, it's very exciting, very cool, and I've been thinking about this ever since you mentioned that I would be talking for the podcast. I'm excited. I know people that I know, people that I care about, are eager to hear some things I have to say as well. So I'm hoping it comes across well, and I'm hoping it comes across um, helpful. Anyway, yeah, who I am, uh, my faith journey. When I was a kid, I grew up and my family went to a Presbyterian church, and I went through the whole confirmation thing that you do at these churches. You uh, study certain things, and you become a, in that case, a Presbyterian. And uh, I didn't care. Any, I didn't care anything about it at all. I just did it. It was something to do. I think I was 12 and um, never really went. My mom was always involved in the church choir, helping the kids choir out and doing all the artwork. She was really involved in the art stuff. I remember that. Super yeah. involved. And, but, but it was in a creative sense. She did this at our high school too growing up. It was interesting because they were elders or deacons. I'm sorry, deacons in our church, but I never had one spiritual conversation with my mom or dad ever. <laughs> and they were deacons in yeah. our church because she was uh, involved. And uh, then I just move right ahead to the fact that I left after high school. I went to college at University of Texas for a year. And then from there, I went to Italy for a year. As you do. Yeah. As people do. And I um, then went to LA for acting. And at that point in my life, I had gotten to the 
place where I had run through the five or six things that were most important to me over and over enough times, whether it was fitness or relationship with a girl or trying to be moral and a good person or success, or I'd gone through these things and put all my efforts towards them at different times. And none of them seemed to offer me any satisfaction at a certain point. I was Hmm. 21 when I moved to LA and I got to the point in my life where I started praying that prayer that you pray. If you are real God, I've heard about you. I've heard things about you. I, if you are real, then please, you know, do this or that. Make yourself strike me with lightning. Smite me, Almighty Smiter. Yes, yeah, it was that kind of thing. I actually, literally, that that really was the prayer. I remember being up on my roof in Hollywood in this old hundred and twenty year old building, up on my roof, praying to God that it would be worth it that if he could just break my arm, if he could break my leg, if he could, like I was, I was at the point where I was coming up with tests that would be worth it. Sure. But it would be very clear and very obvious. So uh, he didn't do any of that. What he did do was he had somebody, a friend of mine from my high school come to LA who was looking at um, UCLA for medical school. And he was from, he had gone to my high school in Houston and then he went to Boston and then he was out in LA and he told me about this church Mm. and he invited me to go to church and I did. And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was amazing. And everybody, this is the interesting part of, of uh, this journey. And I jumped right, you know, pretty quickly here to our church and the introduction to our church. But most people I know, most people had the same experience. It was an yeah. awesome experience. It it was crazy because I had questions and these people had answers. Yeah. And they were the right answers for me at that time. Sure. And so I saw a question the other day that somebody asked and I, and I posed this to several of my best friends who who uh, are great friends, spiritual friends, meaning we talk about spiritual things a lot. And the question was, what drew you to this church? And then it used the word cult. And my answer in my heart was Jesus did. This is what's crazy Hmm. about what we're going to talk about. It's crazy because I know I was led to a certain space at a certain time by God. And if I can give you a a picture, um, I mean, I see you and nobody, nobody has a visual here, but you put (laughs) your hands of two fists up in front of your face, close them and put them kind of mirror them and put them knuckles to knuckles. And the one on the right is, is who you are and what you need faithfully. And on the left is the, the faith that you're offered. And when I came to church, Mm -hmm. That's what I was. I was offered everything I needed. It answered every single question I ever had spiritually. And that fit your outline perfectly. Fit it perfectly. Fit the mold. The but mold. Now, of it. Yeah. now let's move forward, whether that's time or experience or events or trauma or whatever, sure. and put two fingers yeah. up on your right hand. Now that's who you are. Yeah. What happened was in 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 church, I started noticing. All that was ever offered to me was that first one, that first 
size, one size fits all. That that first package deal. First package of. deal. It answered everything, but now I'm this person. And I'm yeah. and I'm not getting the matching faith. I'm not being offered the matching faith from those around me or from my church. And that's a big, big deal. I think that's a big way that started early on, but you, you, you don't want to face that. You don't want to believe that because it was so incredible when you first received all the answers, you can't believe that you're not, Oh, it must be that I got to go back to that. And so my journey, my faith journey, there's a lot more to it, but, but, that gets us right up to church, what I was offered. It was incredible. I mean, it was, I was praying to God at, and this, this is honestly, this is many people's story. I love hearing people's conversion story, our church and other churches. That's, I love that question. Hey, how, how did you come to God? How did you come to Christ? How were you converted? Yeah. And it's always incredible. And it's almost all my friends, the same. They were crying out to God. They were, they were wanting answers. They were, and, and then, then it came, you get stuck in this really weird place because that was God. The problem is you're different now and you need more of God, but that was God. And that's the God that's being told to you. And that's the God that was so amazing. And you get stuck in this space where and also, real quick, you're told that that version of God is all encompassing. That's it. It That's is what it is. But and, but I mean, a lot of churches do that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh sure, no, relegate no, 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 that absolutely. to our church. Um, right. They put a box around it, and this is our doctrine, and this is what we believe. And if you go past that, you're no longer in right. the good graces of this church or or of God or however sure. they may you know express define that. It. Yeah, define it. But it, it's really interesting because sometimes people who left earlier or um, questioned this think, well, this is God. It was so amazing. They start thinking God's not enough, which is kind of falls into your crumpled papers idea. That's God. And that's not enough. And some of them, some people experience that right away. I Hmm. started to experience it, but for whatever reason, I have all, once I experienced God the way I did, I knew, I knew he was, the only answer for everything. And that never has sure. left me. So that is what led me to what we're going to talk about today. I never, ever, for whatever reason, I never doubted that. Yeah. So since I didn't doubt that, things could ebb and flow in church and I could be okay with it. As a matter of fact, I thrived on it. Yeah. The less my friends or the faith around me or church was of God, the for me, the oddball that sure. I am, the more excited I was to share who God really was. That there was more. There was more. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's a very, I think that's a unique aspect to who, uh, how God created me. And you're going to learn even probably in this, I mean, the audience is going to learn what you already know is I thrive on disagreement. <laughs> disagreement gets me in trouble. But 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 for me, once we agree, then I'm like, oh, well, that's no fun anymore. There's no, there's nothing I'd rather you disagree yeah. with me, Austin, and 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 throw something out there and it, and it frustrate me. So I have to go find out what do I really, and this is also in line with crumpled work papers. through it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so impressed with how you're sharing all this and the, and the, the analogy and the metaphor that your book puts forward, because that's kind of how I do it. I am empowered by disagreement because sure. I trust God on, over here. But then when you throw something that, that questions that, at me, I go, whoa, 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 I believe this. 
and you're mm-hmm. saying yeah. this, I don't think that's right. But that's just in the moment. I'm fully aware that tomorrow I'm going to know more than I know today. I know that. Hopefully, yeah. Ho- mm-hmm. Hopefully I know that or hopefully I will know more. <laughs> Either. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, both, I guess. Ho- hope. Hopefully I will know more. That is true. But yeah. I, I fully believe that. But anybody who knows me knows I like to throw a few bombs into the conversation and and and, and right. get on the edge of what I believe to push the conversation to a into a more confrontational disagreement so that we can both yeah. be working through this stuff. And and that's not necessarily everybody's way of doing things, but that's me. It's not everyone's forte, but yeah. And it's it's yeah. good for a conversation like this, I think. And that's um I'm glad you brought the whole dynamic of disagreement because I want to say this not as a disclaimer but as to set the stage for this conversation is uh, in terms of this conversation we're talking about the Holy Spirit and this conversation will be I mean in the same vein and perspective and the same direction as the rest of the podcast right it's all one bundle one book one structure to get to one certain end goal here and help people but this will be a more theological heavy conversation uh, maybe experiential and perspective all kind of stuff but it will be more Bible stuff, more about the Holy Spirit, which not everyone's into and not everyone right. is, a, is at a place to want to listen to it. So if, if this is, I know a lot of people having these conversations since this podcast started with people, I know that there's an awareness and people, many people have talked to me about this exact topic and I'm really glad to be able to facilitate that now. But yeah. if you're not in that space, then don't feel like you have to be and vice versa. So I think this is going to be one of those conversations that just naturally by default, no matter where you are as a listener, no matter where you find yourself, there's going to be things in here that you agree with, hopefully. And there's also a really heavy chance there's things that we're going to share that, you know, my dad believes or I believe that you just may not agree with. And that's not even, that's not just fine. I think it'll actually be beneficial for many reasons. So just a, um, to lay the foundation contextually before we start this conversation. So if you're not in the place to, to or you're not interested in this topic, then that's totally fine. Then wait for next episode. Um, but if you're either on board or just curious, then I highly recommend and encourage you to stay on board and listen through. I'm going to add to that. Yeah, go ahead. That, that's been my big concern. When would I be a good guest for your podcast? When? Because I'm going to sound like I have some things I know. I'm going to sound like I know some stuff. Sure. I'm going to put forth some things I think are answers. Yeah. Um, but I'm also 100% Jesus. I'm 100% God. And, and sure. I have no problem if people aren't. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I embrace that. I love that's being embraced with, with people here. But I don't want to turn anybody off. I mean, I don't yeah. want any, anybody turned off here. But that, that's just where I come from. And, and, and to be honest, that is not who I used to be at all. I didn't care at sure. all. And now it's the only thing I care about. It literally, I mean, yeah. Austin, you know this, it's the only thing I'll get on three hour conversations with my friends. Oh yeah. Some of them still go to the church. Some of them do not. Uh, so it doesn't matter if this is their connection, the church or no church, it doesn't matter. I'll call you saying, Hey, what do you want to get from the grocery store? And it'll be for three hours. and end up talking about the Holy spirit. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get some milk. Okay. Is that good enough? <laughs> I'm gonna hang up now. Before we get into this, I want to address and even mention some things so everybody knows that I'm not a pure defender of, let's say, the church or anybody in the church. However, I love all of them, and I love both sides. And I say that because I want what we're going to talk about, I want for everybody. 
uh, yes. especially mm-hmm. those who, who have hurt people. But all of your guests have mentioned hurts and pains and specific things. I mean, I've sure. had, and these are good friends of mine I'm talking about, but sure. I've had the elder of my church tell me in a conversation while I'm, I was up at Big Bear and I'm fixing up our cabin that we got and, and I got uh, nails in my mouth and, and, and holding them while I'm got a nail gun. And, and then all this uh, tools and he's talking to me about stuff. And there was an issue I had at church about something that was going to happen. And in the conversation, I said, yeah, I had spoken to somebody. He, he asked me, had I spoken to anybody about what I was thinking or feeling about this issue? And I said, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Keep in mind, I'm just running through this because I got to go hammer some, you know, the loft. I got to go hammer yeah. wood. And he said, huh, okay. And he throws out pretty quickly, well, don't you realize you're tearing down the church? Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay, uh, well, I'll think about that. Um, let me, let me get back to you on that. But I, and I go back and I start, you know, hammering yeah. away. And I literally called him up about 45 minutes later. Cause I've been sitting there thinking about what he said and it really started to bother me. And th- this is just one little story that happened. Yeah. These things happen all the time, but I, I checked to see what I was talking about, where I'd said I'd spoken to somebody. And what it turned out was I found, I texted this person. Basically, it was about the the, the testing they were doing for the kids uh, program. Which my mom talked about in her episode about the kids kingdom classes. Yeah, <clears throat> which we were not into. We, we, I just, look, just love Jesus in front of my kid. And yeah. and it'll if it sticks, it sticks. And I'll I'll raise him. And I don't need uh, academic testing. And, and some churches do that. That's totally fine. But I, I, it's not my thing. And I did not like the rigors of that. But I texted a friend said, hey, I know you'd mentioned something like this. Um, they're doing that testing tomorrow where, where the people who answer things right, kids who answer things right, get ribbons and they come out and blah, blah, blah. If you don't want to experience that, you know, I just want to let you know that's happening tomorrow because I had heard about it. Yeah. So I called our elder back and I said, that's all I did. I texted four sentences to this person. And you didn't even know what I had done. All that, all that you knew was that I communicated. Yeah. And you said, don't you realize you're tearing down the church and hurting, yeah. and hurting people's faith? And I said, you don't even know what I said. And now you do. And I said, <laughs> I'm tempted to say his name. I said, you quickly jumped to that conclusion, not knowing what I said. And I'm a peer of yours. And I've, I've been there as lo- longer than he has. And I was wondering what that would be like for somebody who's a new Christian in the church for, for the yeah. elder who's not their peer, who's not their friend, yeah. who is yeah. the elder to say, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're tearing down the church. That's a little, a weighted statement. <laughs> That's a very weighted statement. Anyway, <clears throat> things like that. And I love, I, I can talk to this guy about Jesus and the right. poetry and the Bible. I, I, I love him. But yeah. but these are the type of things that occur, and they are devastating for some people. For me, it wasn't so devastating, but I saw it, and I, and I've seen that for a yeah. while. So there was a point where I had to realize because I'm built in a way that I didn't I didn't notice a lot of this stuff in the beginning because I most people don't because they're so excited about Jesus. Yeah, most most don't. Yeah, and real quick before we go any further, I wanted to make sure we touched on this. You didn't talk about, you mentioned briefly that you've been a member for a long time. You were actually, and I wonder if you could maybe expand upon this a little bit. You were the first baptism of 
our worldwide organization's Los Angeles region, right? So I was um, in our church, membership and salvation is based on baptism. And uh, yeah. agree with that, disagree with that. I can have entire theological discussions on that sure. both ways. Yeah. And that's not what today's about. But so I was the first baptism in the section of the church that I was in the entire time. And that was at the very beginning of the inception of the church that came out from the East Coast. And so there were a few people in other groups that were getting baptized. And then I was in this group and it was in Hollywood and it was uh, kind of focused in that area and on that, on those people. So I was it. And what year was this? 1989. 1989. Okay. Yeah. And the church we go to started in its entirety, in its formation in 1979. So it had been going 10 years in in the East Coast. And then I would go over to UCLA, the UCLA ministry, which was was the thing. And I would go there and study the Bible with that ministry. So that's Mm -hmm. interesting. You ended up at UCLA. Yeah, which I was a part of that ministry for two years, a couple years ago. But I was a very, very... For inception, I was there in the very, very first few months of the UCLA The, the ministry. first platoon. Of yeah, the, literally platoon. There was one guy that was uh, ex-army, and he would oh. <laughs> he would have all the guys go out in the morning and do all military stuff. And anyway. Oh, my gosh. I know. But uh, so so that was, I would scooter out over from Hollywood over down Sunset Boulevard to um, UCLA. So imagine when I'm taking you to school the first time, taking you over there, I'm like, having all these thoughts i mean i drove through there a lot but to see you there was kind of yeah. crazy it's funny how ucla marked the beginning of your journey and the end of mine in our church <laughs> right 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 sandwich uh yeah book so ends, okay book so, no, here's something really interesting i don't know where you put this in the story our church just made the list the top 10 list of top 10 cults in i saw that america yeah so, yeah. and that's a whole nother question, that whole cult question. And that we actually, I talk about with my guests next week for a little bit of time too. Okay. That is a big question because some people listening yeah. will say, oh my gosh, all this stuff that was done absolutely is a cult. And right. then other no people- No question. Uh, yeah. And other people say, oh, I met Jesus there. And, 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 and the, the other people say, well, that doesn't make it not a cult. I said, well- yeah. You know, there was a thing called the Cult Awareness Network back in the day, which got sued and they went out of business and because <laughs> the Mormons had more money and oh. sued them and they went out of business. And then there was another, you know, I think Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man and some other people. Um, the Bible together. Answer Man? Yeah, yeah. He's well known in the, in the theological world. He's on the radio. Okay. Bible Answer Man. Does he have a cape? Well, he was way anti uh, our church. But he's sure. had some interesting revelations about his theology now that coincide with some of the things. That they, anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's, but it is interesting, though. Yeah, it is very interesting because this is a journey. This is what I'm saying. So this whole cult question is very interesting to me. I know it's very yeah. hard for some people to deal with because they're like, this is absolutely cult. And what I was going to say is the cult awareness network had like a list of eight things that proved something was a cult. Criteria. Criteria. One of them was follow one leader. Well, okay. We had one guy who, who was. Yeah. Jesus. No, I'm kidding. No, there was, there's that too. There is that too. But then there was loaded, loaded language. Yeah. 
we would say BT for Bible talk. We'd say D time. Oh, we, we had a lot of loaded language, different things. You know, struggle, struggling, we'd say. Discipling, discipler. Discipling, disciple. That's not even a word. Getting getting with someone. Those aren't even no, words. No, it's not a word. They, no, disciple's a word. Disciple's a word. But then we've we all the iterations we made it, and we we even we even made the word disciple a verb. You disciple somebody. A verb, right? Yeah, a, a disciple is a noun, biblical or not. Disciple is a noun for follower. That's it. Oh my gosh. Okay, and so this is a really interesting thing too. Is um, this le- this will have effect on what we're talking about yeah. today, and that is um, discipling people is a very it's you know I think a better word for that verb or that uh, action is mental yeah. or advising. Right. Because once you make discipling the word, it becomes loaded language. It gets blended into the spiritual thing. Yeah, it's loaded language. Anyway, okay. I, no, this is good. You, everybody's going to learn about me. I'm Mr. Tangent. I'll go off and you're going to have to edit. No, me but the thing is, what I will say here, here though, before we start though, is I'm going to let you go because it's really interesting because of how long you've, you've been around since the very beginning. And I think you've seen so much over the decades of the church's evolution. So you have some really valuable insight into things yeah. that not everyone, I'm, we have a lot, of, a lot of listeners who have been around for just as long, even longer than you. But the thing is, many people also who, have, who haven't. So you've seen, especially in, in our yeah. church in Los Angeles, you've been there since the beginning of our region. You've seen it from the inception to when we left. So you've been able to have knowledge of that time frame there. So it's valuable stuff. Yeah, no, and, 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 and every time you mention something, it, it'll bring up, something to talk about so that'll lead to more tangents yeah. but even the fact that you say region i always find that yeah. interesting we call our church we have regions and sectors and world and, sector I mean, leaders on, and I mean, oh that's a whole other thing uh, yeah okay a little side note people who know this this will remember this guy gets out of the waters of baptism in santa monica and what does he say when he bursts out this is like uh six months into our church i know but it'd be a year I've and a half into before. our yeah church he jumps out of the water and and he was eyeballed by the top leader. You could, you just knew it because I saw gifts being given to him. So and he had potential. He fit. He had potential. I had potential one time too, but it it got lost quickly. <laughs> um, and then then Robin came along, and and they were all over yeah. her. She was like a, a opinion leader. She was successful. And then I started liking her, and then she just got the boot. She was off the short list. Now go back. This person pops out of the water, and um, this is in reference to your region sector leader. He said, first thing he says, not I am so grateful to Jesus or God, I love you, or it's I'm gonna be the youngest world sector leader. Oh no, is he still around? And I'm thinking, I'm so embarrassed. I'm thinking, what are this is early yeah. on, and I'm thinking, what are we teaching? What did we miss here? What did we miss teaching this guy? What did we just baptize him into? What kind of mindset here? Yeah, because that's not what I would. That's hilarious. I know it's crazy, right? It's just the mentality. Now, 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 I would tell you, and he he was he left. Well, some stuff sure. happened, character stuff, and I, this is now I sound like a like a church guy. No, but literally there was some person to person. It was character stuff and some stuff happened and he did some sure. stuff um, and he, he yeah. left. He, 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 I don't even know if he was asked to leave. He was just embarrassed in what he did mm-hmm. and, and he'd left. Um, and so uh, he didn't make it to the world sector leader. But <laughs> oh, he was so close. Even that uh, the term is just crazy. So I was the first guy in our group and I saw a lot of things and I 
always wanted to know more and I was always curious about Jesus. I, oh, also I was not a person because of my personality and this is really key. And this kind of covers a lot of topics from all the episodes. There's certain personalities that get discipled that, that word, that's not a word. There are certain people that, for example, I can think of a guy, sweetest guy and very gentle, very, very positive outlook on life, but, weaker in 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 worldly ways and so he would get hammered sure like when he would make mistakes or when he would do uh, silly things or uh, in their in their opinion or anybody's opinion sure. anybody's opinion yeah. and he would get discipled and he was he was a magnet for that type of thing and i i can only imagine that because our church had a leadership metric mm-hmm. rather than a servant metric mm-hmm. And the leaders were telling people to be servants, not being servants to express and be an example of servitude. And so, you know, a new leader comes in on and says, oh, you know, there's that guy, you know, he needs some discipling. Why don't you go disciple him for a while? Why don't you go lead him? Why don't you go? Whereas I never was that guy. So I, I was always, almost always out of the line of fire. Sure. Yeah. I had a couple moments where I really did some things and hurt some people as a young guy and and somebody came to me personally and and they were a leader but they were personally coming to me this is okay and telling me and asking me and having about this which thing that's different how it should be i believe usually should be how it should be however there are people different personalities different character traits whatever this guy i don't know how he how he managed but but he would get discipled all the and rebuked time. probably and all that kind of that's another lo- loaded language and rebuked right? that word there's another religious yep. word um harshly you know corrected all, all the time yeah it was terrible yeah. but that that's the other thing that's that's when you talk to people who've left or who are in or or have different opinions about the church everybody's experience is vastly different, even though I don't think anybody can disagree with things that have happened. Their experience of how it affected them is very, very different Mm -hmm. because I knew how to get out of the line of fire or wasn't in the line of fire. And I was living my own faithful journey while this guy couldn't do anything but be in the line of fire. And people are going to relate to this. There's going to be people. I think Jen Moeller was talking about that. She was a magnet. Lisey. Yeah felt like a magnet mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And many people, many, many people relate to that. Oh, I've talked to since this podcast started. Absolutely. That's right. And those may be the most vocal people. Maybe that's something we're, we're, that's important here. You know, I, one of my fears is I don't want to come across as a guy who does not get it because I was not hurt sure. very much. And I don't have much trauma. Yeah. I think I do get it, but I, but I still am not one that falls into the category of working through hurt. Sure very much, but I will defend and champion those who were. And I, and in the, in the end there, when we were, before we left, I mean, we were in all these meetings, Robin talked about mm-hmm. it on her episode, but, but we were in these meetings and I, that was probably my, my best presentation of what I believed was in those meetings at the end. At that point, when I, when we left, I had now no, I knew my Bible. I knew I had conviction. It wasn't just me being religious. I knew this. I believed this. These were my peers. Yeah. I'd been in it since the very beginning, the first guy. I was the guy that could speak to them. And although I knew they were not going to change, yeah. and that's a whole other thing to get into, but 
I knew I was supposed to say this stuff. People who left years before because they were cognizant of all of this stuff and and and, and it registered to them as off. Yeah. People that left 15 years, 20 years ago, who, who are, this is crazy. They're, they're, why are you doing this? And they're like, well, oh, bro, you know, that's you're being prideful. Why are you being so defensive? Right. And then flip it. And, and it, it, it all, it would always end up there. And they would have scriptures where the other guy would not. Yeah. Okay. So here I am at the end and I'm in these meetings. We met in the high school. So we were in the cafeteria after, and there was a courtyard, yeah. you know, where everybody met and hung out and fellowship. I'm in there and I had to point this out because it, it happened for years. I was like, so when I say these things or Robin says these things or all the people that have come before us and have mentioned these things, you literally, you guys literally, now these are my friends, but yeah. I'm, you, you literally are, turn your head to the side and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I say, what is that? Is that fear? Is that cognitive dissonance? Is it, what, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. Because I can literally, whether we're talking about authority over over uh, abuse of authority, if we're talking about um, twisting, you know, language, if we're talking about whatever it may be, we talked about a bunch of things. I could walk out in the courtyard right now. I could pull anybody, literally anybody aside, and I could mention one of these topics, and I could have a two-hour conversation. And not only me, I, of course, I could. Uh, sure, but anybody they could right. have a two-hour. Yeah, it's funny. They could have a two-hour conversation with me about that issue. Yeah. And you guys in here are acting like it doesn't exist. You can't do that. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's aware of it unanimously except for you. Except for you. And that's not, and that can't be true. Right. There's no way. You didn't, get, didn't get a response. Didn't get a response, but that's fine. I, these are things like I told you I had to, I had to say, mm -hmm. but I knew it wasn't going to go far. But I, Robin at one point said, why are you still there? Because she was out. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm supposed to be here. Well, they're not going to change. I know they're not. Yeah. But but individually, the church is not going to change. But individually, I'm going to say some things, yeah. and I do not believe it will come back as a scripture will come back void. It uh, it'll go out. It'll permeate their being, sure. and sit on their heart. And someday it will have value. And so we would have these conversations. I you know quite a few of these conversations, and uh, and I'll get into more of these uh, things because I I guess the point of sharing all this is I want people to know I I get this mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. I also was not traumatized by yeah. it. And I can have the debate about whether it's a cult or whether it's cultish or whether what it may be that we're going to talk about in this episode is what it is. Yeah. And and I think more places fall into this category than we want to believe. Sure. And that is a pretty darn good segue into the topic of today's episode. This episode is episode 19, which is based off of chapter 19 of my book, which is titled The Million Dollar Question. And the million dollar question itself is a metaphorical story, maybe an analogy story that I open this chapter with. And we're going to tell it here, a shorter summarized version of it. But before I do, um, is there any kind of context? Because I kind of stole it from you. You had this story first that you told verbally and I wrote it down my own version. So is there any kind of context you want to give to where this analogy came from or why it came to be? The metaphor is based on the idea. I started realizing that we, I, I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. I got to know the Holy Spirit. We never talked about mm -hmm. him. The only thing our church ever did was talk about what he wasn't, not who he wasn't, 
But what he wasn't was in some people's studies because they were again, they're not into miraculous gifts. And I may or may not be, I'll hold that out. People who know me know where I fall mm-hmm. on that. That that's not really what I care about. I'm I'm I do care about the Holy Spirit. We live in the era of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want to talk about. Jesus Christ has died, mm-hmm. and it is better for us now as a scripture. Uh, again, I'll just reference scriptures. Sure. He he died. He said it would be better that he's leaving. And the reason it's better is because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I would much rather be in the uh, discussion of what the Holy Spirit offers us than the Holy Spirit's finished his work sure. or he doesn't exist. Or he... And so I'll go into all that stuff with anybody at any time. But needless to say, I'm it's Holy Spirit all the time. And that's what we're talking about. And that's what this um, million dollar story is about. So let's just say it's you and me, Austin, and we're we're driving along. I, I, the story before was two young guys driving through Hollywood. Oh, I see what you're doing. Two uh, young guys. I see. I see what you went to be you and me. Yeah, but I'm not that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying the original story was two young guys. And, and okay, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Two young guys driving through Hollywood in a beat-up car. They're both actors. You know, they're trying to make ends meet. They got the side jobs, not very much money. And both of them know it. And they know each other very yeah. well or well enough. And they know each other broke. And the car breaks down. Yeah. And you got to be somewhere. And I, I'm driving and my car breaks down. You got to be somewhere. And you're like, hey, man, you got any cash on you? Because I, got, I've, I can't hang out while you figure out this car thing. I got to get to this audition. So I hand you a couple bills and you slip it in your pocket without even looking at it. It's like five bills. And you're walking along. And as the story goes, there are three or four different scenarios. I'll speed it up here. There are three or four different scenarios. The first one being uh, you're walking by this situation where this uh, guy is being kicked out of this restaurant because he can't pay the bill and he can't tip and he can't do anything, whatever. And it's the, the difference is like five bucks that he owes. But the the, the store owner, the restaurant owner is really mad at him and he's yelling at him. And, you know, you think he's going to have to wash dishes or whatever. And he looks at you walk by and you notice he, need, he needs like eight bucks to, to pay the bill, to pay the thing. And you're like, wow, I wish I could help that guy, but I cannot help that guy because I got the most I have is five bucks. Yeah. I mean, I need to use this in case I get in trouble while I'm trying to get back to my, to my audition. And you walk on by that scenario, not helping, not being able to help. And while you're walking, you decide to look in your, at the, at the bills that I gave you and you look at it and you, the $1, what you expected, $2, you know me, I'm broke. you get to the fifth bill and you see a zero and then you put it back in your pocket and go, Oh my gosh, he gave me 14 bucks. I totally could have taken care of that situation and had five bucks that I thought I had, which was enough to in case I get in trouble. And then the, the, the story progressively grows and you have more and more situations and each one is more expensive. Maybe there's a guy needing an inner tube on his bike and he can't get somewhere and you want to help him out. Maybe there's a homeless guy who's, it, it doesn't matter, but it, 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 three or four more scenarios get more and more progressively expensive. But each time you, you casually look in your pocket and you fan through the bills and you go, oh my gosh, there's two zeros. And you put it back, you, you're so stunned. You put, oh my gosh, he gave me $104. That's not, I don't, that. So, so now a lot of things are happening with this metaphor and with this story. Wait, the guy I know, doesn't even have $104 to give. The guy I know wouldn't, and if he did have it, he wouldn't have given it to me. He would have given me the four and kept the hundred. That's the guy I know. If you can see where the metaphor is going. And then 
you get through everything, you have the audition, you you get home and you throw the, you never used any of them. You got to where you needed to get to and you couldn't help anybody. And why you couldn't help them is because you didn't know how much money you had. Sure. And you throw the bills on the table and it flips open and there's three zeros. There's three zeros. You go, what? It's a one and three. It's the thousand dollar bill. Now, now you're like, what? First thought is, there's no way he gave me a thousand or four dollars. There's no way he he gave it to me. He must it must have been a mistake. All these things that you believe about me and about that. And then to top it off, is there even such a thing? Is this real? Is there a thousand such a thing as a thousand dollar bill? Mm-hmm. Everything is now in question. And you're like, did I really have a thousand? I could have solved, I could have helped all those situations. I could have done something for every one of those people and still had money left over. And then you go online to see if it's real. And you find out it's called a Thurgood or a Thurman $1,000 bill. It's worth $2.4 million. You had $2.4 and $4 in your pocket the whole time and you didn't know it. That's the analogy. That's the metaphor. That is that can be used for a lot of things, faith, God, Jesus. But but how it came to me was, and actually it's funny. I read a book not too long ago that used a similar oh, yeah. idea. But I, I think I read it to you. But um, the idea being that we have this power, this currency, and this goes along with the scripture. The scripture is the parable of the minas or the parable of the talents in Mark and Matthew and and, and Luke, and both of those talk about bags of gold or money. That, that are given, and, and this, is a, this is one of my favorite stories and scriptures. I'm not going to go all into it, but basically the, the idea is Jesus leaves, and he leaves people with the minas, yep. the money, the currency to do business. What kind of business? God's business, because he's Jesus. He's, you're going to do his business. So the nobleman comes back, and he asks the three servants um, what they did while he was gone. And two of them are saying, your mina, your money produced this, that, and the other. Yeah. Produced five more, 10 more, whatever. While the third servant, and this is the term I use a lot now, third servant, because we're all third servants. He said, oh, I was afraid. I, I didn't know. You get, you, I, I was worried. And I was, uh, you are a harsh man. And, and, and you, you reap where you don't sow. You, you, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I buried it. That's the Holy Spirit that was given to us when he left. The only, the only way that parable even works is the guy leaves and he leaves you with something. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Could be faith, could be grace, could be a lot of things, but but the currency to do spiritual works and business is the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to get into. That The only way we have any of the ability to do what we do is through the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so that's the scriptural reference. That's the metaphor, the story, the million dollar question story. But we all have a million dollars in our pocket. Holy Spirit. But what I found in our church is nobody knew that. Yeah. The most we ever talked about the whole, it's different, a little bit different now because some people are starting to, this is even worldwide, not, not church wise, but just people are starting to talk about the Holy Spirit more. Sure. But in my 30 years there, 30 years, the Holy Spirit, there was never a, a sermon on it. There was never a message on it. There was nobody teaching on it. There was no concept of him. There was no, no, nothing, yeah. nothing. Maybe you'd say, you know, Andrew Murray is one of my favorite theologians. He says, no Christian denies the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the minute you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's like, what, right. what, who, what? There's nothing. to. It's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And most every church, most every church in America is about Jesus, which, okay, should be. Yeah. 
But there's a problem. There is a problem with that. And that's that's almost heresy for some people is to say a church that's only about Jesus, it's a bit of a problem because there's got to be more. There's more in the gospel. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of segues perfectly into the next question I have for you. And that is, could you talk about specifically our former church and our region and our church's organization's relationship with and approach to the Holy Spirit? You started to touch on that just now, but can you delve into that a little more with some more detail? Good question. So, so our church's relationship with and approach to the Holy Spirit, zero. Yeah. Now, you're going to hear pe- people who hear this now, especially people who are there, there is more talk uh, now. There's more talk about sure. him. So they would say, oh, no, there's not zero. Okay, maybe not zero, but it takes more than a little bit to be able to... Um, understand this for the most part the church we went to had no relationship with the holy spirit okay this is interesting same elder and a good friend of mine that you know really well um he was a minister in the church for a while younger minister we did a bible discussion and it was going to be about the holy spirit but then once i realized like 40 people are showing up yeah including the elder and this other guy other Mm -hmm. leader and we instead of talking about the talking about the Holy Spirit, I I flipped it to talking about the old covenant and the new covenant just to see where people were at. Sure. And that's a very interesting. I'll, I'll point that out too after I share where this all led to. So on the way and, and, and at the very last scripture, I mentioned the Holy Spirit for Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power. Mm-hmm. That's the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. You're not looking at the hills. You're not looking at the, at the heavens. It's the power in us. That's how this whole thing works. Okay, so I share that. And then I get a text from this elder on his way home. And he said something to the effect of, um, Robin would remember it exactly because this stuff burns into her head when I read these things. It said, you need to be careful speaking about grace and the Holy Spirit because it is counterintuitive. Hmm. And I was like, huh? I showed it to Robin. She's like, what? Uh, yeah, of course it's counterintuitive. This is Jesus and Holy, well, of course, but I didn't understand what he was talking about. So then I, I, I kind of, I, I responded in the text saying, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Of course, it's counterintuitive. What do, you, what are you getting at? Mm-hmm. And he, he, he said a couple things. Oh, he said you also used the word we a lot, and that's very non-inclusive. Yeah, and I said, what? I text about what are you talking about? The word we? That that's like the most inclusive word ever. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And and he said no. You can, so what happened was we had had these Robin had talked about how we had had the the, the kids home from college yeah. mm-hmm. group and we heard all those devastating spiritual stories just about and and they were all concerned about coming back and it was so bad in their colleges and it was worse than here but then when they were here or not here but there they were like, oh, what are the new rules? We're coming back. How do we? And we're like, oh my gosh, this is not what this is supposed to be about. And, and we started sharing we, meaning my generation. Right. We did this. We taught this. We missed this. We, so the we started there. And those kids stayed. We were supposed to be done at nine. They stayed till 1 30 in the morning because yeah. they were being fed. This older guy and his wife, older generation, were saying we made mistakes. And that meant so much. So here I am using the word we yeah. in this discussion. 
and it hit him and he was saying that's not inclusive and i said that's exactly the reason why i use the word but i know it, it i guess it, it it implicates us was that is the same context where he said because it implies the church made mistakes or is that a different context it might be. It might be. Robin remembers things more specifically than I, I think. Do. I, I think it, it, it might be. That. I remember her, her. She said, "Don't use we because it implies the church made mistakes." But it might have been a different context. Okay. Well, here, here's what he said. Here's what I do remember: yeah. is he said, "You don't because you don't mean we. You mean us." So you he so he's saying by saying we, you don't mean you. You mean us. You mean us. Oh, gosh. Meaning him. And I go no. I absolutely meant we. Right. I'm a part of this thing. Yeah. We did this. We believed that the, the cool stuff I talked about when we first came to church, the very first time when we all were converted and Jesus was everything and Jesus answered everything and it was really Jesus. Again, this is the confusing part that people have to work through. It really was, for me it was. Yeah. And for most of my friends, it really was Jesus. But things don't have to, things can start out with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and not end up there. Yeah, And that's what happened, but this has to be understood so that you can work through this. Because how do you explain how to, to your own psyche that this was so awesome? One of the ways to deal with all that is to say, this wasn't awesome. True. It never was awesome. It never answered anything. It never was. It was always manipulative and only manipulative and only a cult and only for money. and yeah. Or it's more nuanced than that. And you know me, I'm Mr. Nuance. Sure. Mr. Nuance. There's a lot of nuances to this, and that's one of them is that no, we, all of us believed this and we were sticking with our original faith, that doctrine, that box to answer all these things that we are 10, 15, 20 years later. And it doesn't answer. Yeah. You cannot live on the faith that you got 20 years ago, but that's what churches do. Churches will expect you yeah. to thrive on their doctrine and here's the other piece of the puzzle. When you have, and I'm not completely against paid ministry, however, many are, when you pay somebody to do a job, they're being paid in their mind to do the job they're hired to do. Right. Ten years go by, they're still going off the first job description. Right. Plus, also, when you're paying somebody to do a job, there has to be a quantifiable way to see, to determine that that job is being done successfully. So there are parameters and there are goals and there are things that need to be done and accomplished and numbers to grow or money to be raised or et cetera to show that they're doing their job right, which in turn naturally promotes staying the same and keeping those same parameters, whatever they are, and not evolving. And then it discourages changing that because then it's less easy to have a set system to show when someone is doing a job successfully, they're being paid to do. But that's not how it, how it works. Things change and grow. They have to. Things change. People change. Relationships grow. So here we are, the, the Bible discussion. We're having that text uh, back and forth. And he says, hey, maybe we can get together and have a meeting. We can get together, you and me. Now, keep in mind, it's a good friend of mine. Yeah and the elder. And we've been trying to get together for four weeks before that just to have coffee and it wasn't happening. Hmm. So I throw that in there because he said, when do you want to get together? I go, I don't know. Anytime. He said, how about tomorrow? I go, okay. Uh, how about tomorrow morning? Okay. How about how he lives about you know 30 minutes away. It's like, where was this urgency before? 
Yeah, yeah. How about uh, I can be over there at seven thirty? How about okay? Yeah. I I get up early. Okay, so he gets over there at seven seven thirty, and we start having this talk. And I mean, I we could do a whole podcast on this talk. And again, keep in mind, I'm saying this, and he'll know if he listens to this at all. He'll know it's him, and others who know our elder will know who I'm talking about. However, I I, I can't say it enough. I truly love this guy. Sure, I love his family. I love, but. This is, I'm sharing this, and in some ways I apologize to him here because I want him to know that this, this is an example of how things can go when what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit is not understood. So his first question to me, very first question of a two and a half hour conversation or two hour conversation was, Robert, do you believe the Holy Spirit is in our church? Hmm. And I said, I took a moment. And I said, yes. And he nodded his head. And then I said, and no. Hmm. Yes and no. I said, he's in our church the way he's on all creation. He's everywhere. He was poured out. Yeah, he was poured out at Pentecost right. on all flesh, on all creation, whichever translation you want to read. He's everywhere. Mm-hmm. He is. He Yes, he is. But he's not in our church that way. And, and at the end of the conversation, there's so many things that, that may pop up even in this episode or may if we have if you have me back, that this 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 conversation highlighted was so interesting. Among other things, I, I asked him when he thought the problems that that I that we were had to been discussing, him and I ha- had begun. And he said, Oh, you know, six months ago. I said, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like like the church problems that you were experiencing. My answer was 25 years ago. Right. My answer would have was 25 years. His was six months. Yeah, like many of these problems have been in the roots for forever on the foundations. Yeah. And of course I've, you know, I spend time thinking about this stuff. I've thought about this stuff in every way, shape or form, because I really want to work out this and understand it for other people. Yeah. So, so the very last question he asked me when we're out of his car, this was a big one. I remember this. This is a big one. This is a big one, but it wasn't big to him because right. he, I think he was trying to go somewhere in his mind True. with it, but he didn't realize what he, he didn't realize what he was saying. He said, so Robert, do you believe you need to know the Holy Spirit for him to work in your life? Hmm. And I was, for me, where I was at, Holy Spirit's the whole deal. Yeah. And he leads us to Jesus. And, and that's how this whole thing mm-hmm. works. That's the only way this works. It's the only way everything works. Yeah. So now you know me. That's my whole doctrine sure. right there. He says that, and all I'm thinking is, and I didn't say this out loud to him, and I, I probably should have, but but I was thinking, do you need to know Jesus Christ for him to work in your life? Right. I guess not. Right. The way you're asking, sure. I guess not. But of course, you're the elder. The elder of my church was asking me if I needed to know God. Right. It's it's the elder of your church asking. Do you think it's necessary to know the Holy Spirit for him to work? Like that's what he's saying. Take off the end part because he's not hearing it because he added the end right. part. The end part was, will he work in your life? It was the same as the first question: Is the Holy Spirit in our church? Right. Well, yeah, but no. Right. The, 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 so a little tidbit scripture I'll give you later. Sure. But the the Holy Spirit works when you surrender to mm-hmm. Him. This is the way. This is how He doesn't override your free will your volition. People wonder about free will. I mean, these talk to people who are Calvinistic and who are, who are, you know, we have no free will versus the free will Arminian guys. This is a whole theological big debate out there. The way he doesn't cross over into your 
volition, into your free will, the way he offers this to you, to faith by grace. His grace is, here's the deal. I've done everything. It's already true. I died for you. I did all this stuff. You just need to believe it. If you believe it, you can have it. Yeah. And so my elder is sitting there saying, do you need to know him? And I'm thinking, my elder has just asked me if we need to know God. And that right. not that the whole point of church? Right, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. Yeah. It's a weird question. But he didn't realize it was a weird question because he's trying to go somewhere. Well, with and then the thing is, though, even though he was trying to go somewhere else, there's no other way of re- reading it in terms of it's still denoting the fact that he say he he recognizes obviously that the church doesn't and is saying is it okay still basically okay that I never thought about that yeah he that that's that's probably true because because I I believe if he was fully confident the church did the question wouldn't it wouldn't matter because you're not dealing in that margin of not knowing and, and and there is yeah and there is a slim chance that he was asking for himself sure I don't really know yeah. he might have been saying do you need to know him because. Because here, here's the deal, and, and this is my little, you know, I'm sharing information I believe is true, and, and, and here's something, I said it a minute ago, the way the Holy Spirit works is you surrender to him. You, you choose to live by the Spirit or not. Yeah. And that's how everything works. You, you, the Bible, the delineation the Bible makes about sons of God, being a son of God or a child of God is those who live by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the delineation in the Bible. Not all these other things, these methods and these things, and we can talk about baptism there, we can talk about belief, we can talk all these things. What where he draws the line is are you living by the spirit? Yeah. So this is key. Think about this. Four four seventy AD. That's when the Bible was canon the New Testament was canonized. Mm-hmm. What did people do for four hundred years? Right. They they didn't get to do what I do and 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 parse apart every word and 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 every syllable and go to the Greek and they had a letter from Paul here or there yeah. they had Paul himself saying some things but if they weren't in the church where Paul was how did these people even what would be the answer how what would how would you answer that what how did people discern the truth right. of Jesus yeah that's the question exactly well what's the answer the Holy Spirit. Right. It's only right. by that. And then then that takes you, then you look backwards and you go, oh, well, I have this Bible now. You don't put it all into the Bible. What you do is you, the, the way that the Bible is written, if you believe in the Bible, is it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the way you read it is you have to spiritually divine this information. Yeah. You can do it academically and get probably get close. Sure. But until God says, this is what it says for you, Here's how it works. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You look at the words on the page. It's not your brain. You're using your brain, but what's happening is the Holy Spirit is seeing himself. And he's saying that right there is what you need. Mm -hmm. That's it. Or if you don't have the Bible, he's saying, go do this, go do that. And you know, Robin is now in this space. She is hearing from the Holy Spirit. And you know this, she's hearing very specific things. and, And I will go through some of those things to show her how you can, nothing that you hear from the spirit can contradict the Bible. Yeah. And, and at first she thought I was, you know, disagreeing with and not, not believing her. And what I was actually doing was saying, no, no, you just said this. And here's a scripture that exact, you just said exactly what the Bible says. Yeah. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, but we want to listen to the spirit. And the reason to know the Bible is not academic. It's not a bunch of rules. The reason we need to know the Bible 
or get to know the Bible is so that we can more quickly discern what we're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Right. Is it God's words? Is it the roast beef sandwich I had and my emotions? Is it could it, be. Is it Satan? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. What is it? So when you know it's backed up by the Bible, that's why you know the Bible. That's a big point. That's a big point. That's it. That's that. That's it's so that you can walk with the Holy Spirit and quickly trust what he says. It's also it's 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 learning the language through which the Holy Spirit speaks. Speaks to you. Right. If you if you if you know the language, I mean, meaning, you know, the con like, like, you know, what's you don't know English until you hear it spoken. And you learn it through context, and you know how what your words right. mean. Read the Bible; you know scriptures, you know what it's te- what it's saying, words, and you have the language down. Yeah. So when the Spirit speaks to you, you, go, "Oh, I know how what that means," because you know. Right. That that that's not that God God says that all the time. Yeah. yeah that that's that's I'll do it. I, I I've no. How many times if you don't know the Bible real, really well, and there's going to be a large group out there that sure. don't, you've heard from the Holy Spirit. You think. Yeah. It's a gut feeling or it's an intuition. Intuition is the best word for it. Intuition is used for a lot of things, but that's probably the best. An inkling, because the Holy Spirit tends to whisper. Yeah. So that's why quieting your soul and listening, because how many times have you had the Spirit put something on your heart, but you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. That's just an idea. Oh, I'm supposed to call so-and-so. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll call him later. You never do. Yeah. Or something big is being meant. And sometimes, you know, hear people, this is one way people... Uh, Holy Spirit talks to people is is they hear it in a sermon, they hear a song, and then they hear somebody say that that same word uh, walking down the street. Yeah. And then those three or four times they hear this, oh my gosh, clearly that that couldn't happen. There's there's different ways, but that's the beauty. Uh, all I'm saying is that's the beauty of knowing the Bible because it's so exciting when it confirms what the Spirit is saying, and that's how I've had to get there. Robin, on the other hand, organically. She's hearing from the spirit, you know, and we go, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do what he says. Yeah. Any thoughts to close out that a bigger idea of church's relationship and approach to the Holy Spirit? All I, all I can reiterate is it was absent. It was absent. And I've said this, but even one of the leaders said this, and this is the moments that you hope for. If you're believing what I was believing, we were in a leaders meeting and he had said he'd done some studying and he believes that discipleship in our church or disciple, he said discipleship, but let's just say discipleship in our church has taken the place of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Discipleship is absolutely integral to Christianity. It's a great, great thing. The, the doing of the following of Jesus. Sure. However, in our church, the discipleship took the place of the Holy Spirit. You've told your story in the book. How many, you know, you got nine people's advice. Yeah. I mean, no, come more on. than that. <laughs> and, then, and then you didn't follow, you followed most of them because the odds were seven of them said this to them. Then you're not following the other one. They're all upset with you. The question that should be asked, um, a friend of mine who's still in the church was called to a meeting and they're going to talk about all this stuff going on right now. What do they, they can do to change or what? I don't even know if the word change was, yeah. was the word because, because he said they, at the end of the whole meeting, they said, well, we're not saying we're going to do any of this stuff. And he was like, well, why, why are we here? here? Yeah. But he, he, he said, Hey, I'm going to this meeting. And uh, what would you say is the number one thing you could do to change the church? I go, well, first of all, the church isn't going to change. Yeah. But secondly, I said, wow, that's a big question. I mean, I got all these thoughts going through my head. Well, 
he goes to the meeting, he comes back, and then we're we're having we're talking about something completely different, but the Holy Spirit comes up. I go, wouldn't it be just if there was a even if it was systematic, if every time you sat down with a couple for for mentoring or counseling or that we would do in our church, and the first thing you said to the person who's having the struggles or the issues, the marital issues, and you're the one offering advice, the first thing you say is, so what is the spirit telling you or has the spirit told you about this? Hmm. And just be silent. They would either not know what you're talking about, they wouldn't have a frame of reference, or they would. Yeah. And then I said, wait, let's go back a couple of weeks to your meeting. If you want to uh, put codify a action, every time anybody ever gives advice, make that the first question. Right, because it'll it'll be a litmus test. You either don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know how you do that. I don't, or yeah, he's he's because there are people who are in touch with the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, and they say, well, yeah, actually, I I believe he's told me this. And then you you let them be connected to the Holy Spirit. Our church was all about advice, all about discipling, all about leaders leading others. Anyway, that's I guess that's where I'll leave that. Yeah. So okay, so going off of that. Why do you believe, and you've started to touch on this a little bit, but why do you believe the Holy Spirit is such an integral part of a healthy, thriving church? I believe the Holy Spirit is the heart of the church. It is everything. Hmm. And I'm not leaving Jesus out because the Holy Spirit leads you to all truth. The Holy Spirit is who leads you to Jesus. Jesus did the deed. He sacrificed himself. He opened the door. He for that his blood forgave our sins and his crucifixion crucified. We, cru, we were crucified with him. So not only is our sin taken care of, who we are is taken care of by Jesus, but the communicator is the Holy Spirit. God designed all of this. Jesus did all of it and he's finished. The Holy Spirit communicates it all. Hmm. So God des de de designed it or devised it. Jesus enacted it or acted it out. And the Holy Spirit is who communicates it to us. If you were to, to look up on the internet names for God, for God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, you would find a few of them that would cross over. Sure. But under Holy Spirit, you wouldn't see Messiah. Hmm. Right. You wouldn't see Savior. Right. And under Jesus, you wouldn't see advocate or helper. Well, you might see helper. You might see helper. Maybe, but... So with, without the Holy Spirit, you do not have the full gospel. Right. You can be saved. You can be, you are forgiven, all of that, without fully understanding the Holy Spirit. But until, the more you understand who he is, the more you can surrender to him. Yeah. But most people, without the Holy Spirit, there's... There, this question is so huge, Austin, because, I mean, my mind is is going crazy right now with all the thoughts. I mean, as it the does. first thing that pops yeah. in my head, yeah, as it does, the, the, the first thing that pops in my head is discernment. If Holy Spirit was in the leaders, the, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, I, I don't think he was ab absent in the sense that when you are saved, he, he's there living in you. But, but you don't need to know him for him to work. He'll work if you don't know him, regardless. Well, if you don't know, you have, here we're back to the million dollar question. If you do not know that that is a million dollars, here's here's the question. We didn't actually ask the question. If you have a million dollars in your pocket and do not know it, do you have a million dollars? Right. Yes and no. Technically, yes. Yeah. Effectively, no. Right. So our church 
had a million dollars in their heart, had the Holy Spirit in their heart. I believe that, mm-hmm. but they didn't know it. Yeah. And if they did know it technically, they didn't know what it was worth. Right. They thought it was four bucks. Right. So the Holy Spirit's in there. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, Holy Spirit, of course, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah of course, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, of course. Yeah, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. It's part of it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's part of it. And, and when you pray, who do you pray to? When you're a young Christian, I just pray to God, Father God, Father God. Well, if I know that Jesus is the Messiah and the Holy Spirit is the is my advocate and my and, and help me discerning, I don't, I, I don't, I'm looking at the wrong person when I thank mm. the Holy Spirit for saving my soul, right? For forgiving me, right? I'm talking to the wrong person. Now, now does that matter? Is God going to over? Sure, it's, it, it, he's going to overlook it. But what if I, you're in a, you're talking to three people and you, you're thanking the wife of somebody or you're thanking the husband? You're at a business meeting. You're thanking the husband. They thought, oh, thanks for the, the the great gift, and the wife is the one that gave it. Right. I mean, there, it's a relational thing. Mm-hmm. Knowing who who these people are. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what their role is is huge. And knowing their their distinct entities that are each have specific roles and are different. That's right. They are different. They cross over. They're all one. Right. But they. But they. But but the Holy Spirit is who is. So so let's go to this. So the, the big thing is discernment. Mm-hmm. This is a big 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 issue in the church we went to. Yeah. Discernment of the leaders, and discernment of the members. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's this there's this gap that it was created in many churches, but it was created in our church. You're just a member, and then all of a sudden you're tapped for leadership. Right. And because it's a leadership paradigm, there becomes a, a gap, a chasm between the two. And because they're going for effectiveness with evangelism and the gospel being preached, effectiveness becomes a big goal, uh, marker, a uh, flagstone, mm-hmm. uh, it, it beca- effectiveness. Yeah. How effective are we being rather than love, rather than, you know, a lot of things and without the Holy spirit and, and literally surrendering to the Holy spirit by name. Um, and, and then that's not religious. I'm just saying, knowing who he is right. and saying, God, when you say God, you're talking to the Holy spirit perhaps, but you are saying, I need to know. Help me know what what do I do, and knowing he's gonna and then knowing things about him. There's so much to know. I, I mean, I'm 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 20 years in this and I don't know anything. I mean, I know more than some. Yeah, and it's so exciting to me. But I don't know. I mean, I know that the Holy Spirit helps me see Jesus. That's the only way I can see Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, until the Holy Spirit came in in the Book of Acts in, in Pentecost. The disciples really didn't know who he was. I mean, there's there's mo- there's a few people that say, "Oh yeah, you're Jesus, you're Messiah." Uh, Peter said it, but for the most part, not only did Jesus speak in parables to confuse the religious people, he also kept the overall identity a bit hazy. Yeah. And when the Holy Spirit came, they knew. Mm-hmm. You, there's scriptures in in the Book of Acts and in Luke uh, where it says they that that's when their eyes were opened. This is who the Holy Spirit is. It is. It is. It is the problem. Yeah. And I and I'll make this argument. This is it. He is it. This is the fix for everything. Yeah. It is not only the fix. It is the purpose. When Jesus died, it is. Exa- we live in the era of the Holy Spirit. That's the bottom line. Until we die. I mean, and, and even after we die, we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we're going to be with God because we already, you will be no close. When your eyes close at death, 
you will be no closer to God than you are right now. Hmm. There will be no distractions. Right. But to meditate on that for a minute, to go, oh, I want to get closer. I want to see your face. I want to get, wait a minute. That's interesting. You will never, you are as close now as you ever will be. The only difference is there is flesh and there's distractions and there's things going on and there's, but there's thoughts, other thoughts. You can't see him clearly. The only difference is it's not solely him right now. Not solely him. But in terms of distance, we're not getting any closer. No. Wow. Nope. Hmm. He's not far from every one of us. He's right there. That's, that's crazy to think about. That is. I mean, think about it. I'm spiritual. What's the root of that word? Spirit. We're talking about the, this, to be spiritual is not just to love Jesus. So I look at everything as the, the, the pinnacle moment in history was Jesus crucified. That, that's everything before that was looking forward to that. And everything after that, looking back to that. Yeah. This is the entire purpose of everything. Everything is finished salvifically with salvation. Yeah. And all we're doing now is mopping up. We're just believing it or not. And that's a big deal too. So we are, faith is not, there's a scripture that says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's not, I'm certain I'm going to get a Lamborghini. Right. It could be, I guess. Sure. I guess it could be, you could stretch it. But really what that's talking about is being sure of the things we don't see. Things that are already true. Yeah. And knowing they are true. Not coming up with something that's not true to make it true. That's new age. It's you're not making anything true that's not true. You're simply believing what is true. So now that's why I love the Bible, because I'm trying to find out all the truths I can find out. And the Holy Spirit is the one that guides me. So I'll be in conversations with people about scripture and they'll start getting onto a section I know. I don't have a conviction about. And I will literally well, hang up the phone. I say, give me a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'll act like I got, got something. I'll go pray. And I'll say, God, if you want me to know what this says, like in conjunction, and then all of a sudden, all the stuff will flood into my mind from other stuff I've learned, or I'll see the scripture clear, more clearly. This happens all the time to me now. And I'll go back to the conversation. Not that I'm trying to win the conversation, but I'm trying to stand my ground while they're standing there. So while we're trying to marry the two ideas together or divorce them so yeah. that we can know where we're and, and the Holy spirit does that for me all the time. That is one of them for me. And, and Robin's different. She has a different relationship with him, but that for me is how he leads me. So, so how my journey with the Holy spirit and, and specifically how I would pray and try to find the truth out of the, in the scriptures was directly related to Friends of mine, guy friends of mine, some women friends as well, but mostly guy friends would come to me with their faith crisis and I would relate to it. Mm-hmm. So let's say the brother or the, the guy came to me and said, I always question my salvation. Hmm. And I don't know if I should get rebaptized. I don't know if I should study the Bible again. These are things that are, that are common in our, in our church. And people who hear this from our church will, but, but it could be anything. Sure. Whatever your church said was the way you got in is sometimes what you think you need to go back to. And I was like, okay, he talks about this all the time or, or not all the time, but 50% of the time when we talk, he'll bring, that'll come up. And I'm like, for me, it's about 5% of the time, 5% of the time, but I don't know the answer. Well, mm-hmm. um, another person was, I'd say, how you doing? He always said, I'm fighting the fight. I'm fighting the fight. And I'm like, man, you're always fighting the fight. Hmm. 
And I said, wow, I, I can relate to that. Sometimes I feel like I'm just fighting the fight. Is it always supposed to be a fight? Right. So for him, that question was probably a 60, 50% or 40%. Or for me, it's eight percenter. Yeah. But it really mattered. I was like, I need to know the answer. I don't want to just fight the fight. What what fight? What fight are you talking about? Isn't it isn't there supposed to be glorious, just I don't know, something more? Peace and joy and yeah. Yeah. Peace, joy, patience, all this stuff. What about that stuff? And then God gave me scripture that and I love that scripture too, but I'm I'm not gonna go into it. But it it these scriptures would come, I'd be, oh my gosh, and my faith would be so built by the Holy Spirit giving me answers that other people were asking. They were also my issues um, to a certain extent. And that's how he spoke to me. But you put that in everybody's lap and expect everybody to have that and expect and hope hope for everybody to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. You were going to have a radically different church. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on that. This is really, really good. I'm just going to go to the next question. So what are the results slash repercussions of a church community's neglect of the Holy Spirit that you've witnessed and experienced from your perspective? It's a great question. The results and the repercussions are massive if you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit or you neglect the Holy Spirit. Because I've already stated, I believe he's everything. He's, without him, you do not have the gospel. You can't understand the gospel. You can't discern truth. What you're left with is your humanity, your human nature. Hmm. And the irony when you hear people who are hurt talking about the church and they're in radically different places on the con- on the continent or in the world and the same things are hap- pretty much happening right they're all human nature things now there's a communication of doctrine that guides that a certain direction and there's communication of effective uh, techniques that have been shared and so you end up somewhat in the same quadrant with the same egregious things happening so no Holy Spirit or, or no understanding of the Holy Spirit, no reliance on the Holy Spirit, no surrender to the Holy Spirit, no acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit, no, no teaching on the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. no expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to do. Uh, the Bible says he, he offers you the will and he gives you the ability to do and to will, to will it and to do. He gives you that will. He yeah. causes you to obey. If you don't have that, you have got people's best ideas. So here's an example. Our friends came to visit us who have been in the church for 20 something years along with us. They came out here to visit us. We've known them forever. We quote discipled them at times. (laughs) We were their disciplers. And I, I say that with air quotes and I say that with a tone because it's just not a word. And it's, it's an authoritative thing that is is not wise yeah it's another reason the holy spirit it's bad so here we are talking and the couple gets into a little bit of an argument while they're here and they sit down and we sit down across from them and about 10 minutes in 15 minutes in the conversation i'm like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. what are we doing here yeah we're falling right into our old relationship and the next day we talked about it i was like we sat there And I was about to pontificate, as I'm doing now, I was about to pontificate of some great ideas for your marriage. And and I'm like, who am I? Our marriage needs a lot of work too. Yeah. And and so who am I? And what and and we're just I'm just taking this role. I said, so what happens in these counseling times without the Holy Spirit? And this is gonna be difficult for some people who are in the church right now to wrap their head around because I think it is. 
Because he goes, oh, no, of course the Holy Spirit's there but by default. Right. But no, if you don't surrender to him, the only way, like I said, for him to not override your volition, your free will, is for you to actively surrender to him. Right. That's when he says, okay, you are willing, so here it is. Right. So you're sitting in a counseling session, and and I've been in them, and I've been oh, I've been the receiver, and I've been the giver. And I can flip through a Rolodex of 100 quality ideas to better their marriage regarding that specific issue. However, is that the one I'm supposed to give them? Right. Is that what God's really, am I supposed to be the one giving it? Right. And yet our church, do you, I mean, you remember when you were on your way out, how many conversations, I, I was with you on that. You were like, oh, another conversation. I said, dude, stop. Just yeah. don't go. Just don't go. Just different just meetings don't and conversations and, the, and one-on-ones oh my and groups. Gosh. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Just keep talking and talking and talking. And I love to talk, yeah. but, but ju- just to, to hash this out with better advice. Right. Is your advice really going to be that much better? How about if the spirit guides us and we are quiet or we are, we discuss around what the Holy spirit might want. Right. But we didn't do that. Counseling sessions were, long they were constant and redundant from my experience right especially if the desired outcome of those meetings and talks and advice isn't achieved it's repetitive and it tries just keeps going over the same stuff from slightly different angles trying to achieve that end goal and if it doesn't happen then those meetings really don't stop or eventually they do fizzle out because they kind of give up on you and you kind of feel like a lost cause because you aren't changing or that thing isn't being implemented or your the direction isn't isn't showing whatever because the whole thing revolves around human effort right it's all it's we say it's god but it's really us trying to do these things and better these things so we get tons of advice lots of advice and it was all good often not i'm about almost said all often it was good advice sure yeah. a lot of times it's bad advice yeah that's equal but yeah. good advice good advice is nothing right what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do right now? And he's always tell, he's always talking to you. Right. So a church that doesn't do that, you, you have all these things happen. All the things that all of your guests have shared, that the ones that went to our church, all that stuff happens and did happen. Just the way they said it mostly. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some variances about it, but we weren't there. But you hear the, now you've done this podcast, you hear these stories all the time. And that's, a symptom of the Holy Spirit not being an integral part of the church. Yeah. I had a couple of things I wrote down about this, different, different results, repercussions of a community that doesn't foster a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Understand. I said, there's a lack of trust in others and ourselves because, um, you can't trust God. Right. And we, we, we don't trust, Oh, they're following the spirit. Cause we don't, that's not part of the equation. It's just, oh, they're either following advice, following Right. Advice. It's not expect it's right. not even expected, so there's no way. Right. They're weak, yep. they're weak or not, or whatever, based on their own method of de- of, of deciphering that. Um, there is legalism, rules and rigidity, rules that put in, be put in place for everything because there has to be a right and wrong, good and bad for everything. Okay, on that, the leader that said also agreed that discipleship's taking the place of the Holy Spirit in our church. Well, this is an idea I had mentioned to him and he had shared it, and that was if you do not have the Holy Spirit in your church, you probably better have a bunch of rules. Right. That sucks. That's right. a terrible binary. It's a terrible option. Right. But that's exactly what the law was. Without right. the Holy Spirit, what did what did God give 
the Jews? What did he give the chosen people? Rules. The law. law. Rules. Right. Because how are you going to even know right. what you're, where you're supposed to be? I mean, I'm going to write it down. and, and It's st- structure of civilization is these rules. Yeah. But the, spi- the spirit is got. the structure for our civilization, for our life, for our whatever. Yeah, but that's very hard for people because it's abstract. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and it's not the same for each person. It's individualized. Not the same for each person. That's a tough one because leaders do not like that. That does not keep things. Um, it's hard to keep, keep control of. You can't control it. That's right. You can't. You can only foster it, which is, takes a lot more And faith encourage it. And encourage it. Right. But once you get encouraged by it, a church that would be encouraged by seeing the Holy Spirit in others and being full, everybody being full, yeah. it's like going to dinner. You know how hungry you are and, and you see other people with food and you're like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. Oh, why do they get that? And then you eat and you're stuffed and you're like, wow, I'm glad. Oh, that's great. He has that. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what that tastes like, but I sure couldn't have it now. Like you've got your fill. Right. So here's another thing. This is a, this is a famous theologian, uh, Tozer. And he, he said, A.W. Um, Tozer, A.W. Tozer. Right. He was at a meeting, I guess, and at a conference or whatever. And, and they were, he was talking all lofty about the Holy Spirit. They said, well, what makes you think you have all of the Holy Spirit? And he said, well, I don't have all of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has all of me. And mm-hmm. then there's this story about being a bottle in the ocean. We're the bottle and it's corked. The ocean is the Holy Spirit. You can open the cork of your of your soul, whatever, and you can sink down and you can fill up with the Holy Spirit. You are full, but you do not have anywhere near all of the Holy right the whole whole the Holy Spirit. You are full, and the other person has their share, and then now we're back to the ten minas. We're back to the you're given that 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 actual scripture says each were given to their according to their ability. Right, and so each are given the Holy Spirit, and to him who has more will be given. That's a weird scripture. Scripture, but that scripture, that's what that means. Yeah. You get it and you're given more and more and more until you're full. Yeah. And it seems unfair. Sometimes I walk around, I go, oh my gosh, why are you giving me so much of the, of this and so much of what I want, sure. you know, deeply? And it seems unfair. And I go, well, but that's what you say. You say you're going to give those who are to those who already have, give them more. Right. Very weird scripture otherwise. Anyway, what was the third thing? The last thing I had was just based on those last two is the lack of freedom overall. We've already talked about that. Just lack of freedom. Lack of freedom. That's what it is. A church is supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. A church is the Holy... So here's another thing. In our church, we taught a... There was a study called the coming of the kingdom. It, the kingdom study. We call it the kingdom study, yeah. The very end of it kind of concluded that this is the... The church is the kingdom. And not only the church, but our church. Our church, yeah. And in the beginning, it was absolutely positively we were the only ones... As people matured and they couldn't stomach that, they would kind of say, no, we don't really say that. But we all know that that's in the DNA right. of what we believe. And when somebody left the church, they left clearly the they kingdom. Were, they left the kingdom. And if they left the kingdom, they left God. Right. And, 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 and that, that I, you know, most people that as they mature, the irony is most people do not believe that, but they can't let go of some of the they can't let go of some of the implications. Even though they say it's not true, it still hangs on their heart. Right. So here's the interesting thing about that, though. So I rewrote that study for myself, and I called it the coming of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Because, I'll ask you this, where do you know where the Bible says the kingdom is? It's neither here nor there. Where is it? The, the kingdom? 
You'll have to edit this. You'll have to edit this tighter. Uh, no, we'll see. I'll give you the answer. Kingdom of God is in us. In our hearts. Yeah. In our hearts. Okay. So, I said it before so you said you, it. You, I said it first. Okay. So do you know where the kingdom is? In our hearts. In our hearts. Yeah. In our hearts. Okay. So you won't look in the Bible. It says you're not going to look over there or over there for the kingdom. You're going to look in your hearts. Hmm. And then the Bible also says where two or more are gathered, there he, there he is. There's God. God is, God God is, is there. present. Yeah. Well, two more God gathered, is present. God whatever. is there. God is among them. I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah. So what's what it really is, it's not that the kingdom is the church. That leads to a controlling ideology. Right. Oh, our church. A dangerous I'm ideology. A yes. The kingdom is not outward. It's in it's inside us. Right. And when two are, when we're gathered together, there is the kingdom. Right. So when we gather, that's the that's ecclesia or that's the church. That's the kingdom. Not this group of doctrinal things espoused by this group of people is the church and is the kingdom. No, that's, you can go there and people are going to, a lot of people are going to believe it. Yeah. But you're twisting, you're twisting it. Yeah. It is the kingdoms in your heart, kingdom in my heart, in your heart, when we're together, that's the kingdom. And where is the Holy spirit? This is why I renamed it. Where is the Holy spirit? In our hearts, in us, in our hearts. He's the king of this kingdom. Mm -hmm. Jesus has died and he lives in our heart. The spirit of spirit of Jesus, spirit of grace. That's yeah. a whole nother thing. Okay. So those are the three things. Okay. No, I agree. There's a lot more. Oh yeah. I can make it. Oh yeah. Discernment's the biggest one. I think for me in our church, because discernment, if there was a reliance on the Holy spirit, discernment would have been expected right. by the leaders. Discernment in the members would have been expected by the leaders in in relationship to them yeah hey i'm gonna give you some advice but i know the holy spirit's the ultimate say here here's what he's putting on my heart you take it or leave it but here it is and you verify that with the holy spirit because that's just my best experiential guess of what might this is what's worked for me yeah going off that there's a big one too is the undervaluing of the members because of course if the, if if, if everyone has access to the spirit to the same amount of power there, then it's not a leadership giving all the right answers to people to have. The members have a lot to, a lot of a more active. Yeah. Role you, you, that, very true, Austin. Very, that's very true. However, that was even maligned by, I don't know if Robin mentioned it, when, when our leader in our group said, you have the Holy Spirit and I have the Holy Spirit, but I'm leading. So clearly I've been put right. in this position. So who's right? Right. Rhetorical question. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint. I'm right. So that even undermines that, which is wild. No, you can even undermine that because the spirit, because he didn't. Right. Oh, you're saying I don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm sure if he hears this, he'd be like, I didn't even say it. No. Okay. Yeah. But we're talking about surrender too. Right. And, and, and giving yourself in, in, I was just listening to Dallas Willard. He's well-known uh, guy. He, he was just talking about peace and how you have peace. It's when you fully surrender and you have no expectations now and you're okay with what, yeah. you know, G Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't know of another way. He just asked if there was another way. Right. Cause he was having a human moment and yeah. he was like, Hey, if you got any other ways, but, but your will be done. He had peace when he finally let go and was allowing God to, to, he didn't have expectations, yeah. but he didn't have peace when he had the possibility of other, his own expectations. Anyway. Yeah. It, but it, it goes to every single solitary question or issue that the church has. I'll hear people talking about 
all the nuances and all the issues. Oh yeah, and the leaders do this, and the leaders are, are to this, or the and this goes both ways, leaders and members. If the Holy Spirit were there, it solves all of it. Yeah. And then you well, it can't solve all of it. Remember Robin's story about well, you can't just say they have the Holy Spirit and let them go in the car together, or you can't let them go to Starbucks together. Right. Yeah, you could. You could. Right. But you. Not if you don't believe. Not if you don't trust. If you don't trust it, then not if, if you don't believe. Then sure, it won't change much. But nothing, you, right, right. Then nothing is. Nothing holds. This is all a trust. This is all a trust thing. Right. This is all belief. because it's. It's not if the Holy Spirit exists or not. Because it does. He does, and it's, he's everywhere. So it's already either trust or not. Because whether we do or not, he's already here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So of course, it's only yes. That. We are swimming in an ocean of the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit was poured. So here's a great cool thing in my many years and all the little tidbits I have. So what happened when God noticed back in Noah's day, God noticed that all the men's hearts were evil all of the time. What did he do? He flooded it and killed everybody. He flooded the entire world with death Yeah, to start the race over again yeah. with faith, with a faithful family. So what happened in the days of Noah? There was a flood, and, it, and it, it was to wipe out the race. So what happened when Jesus died and was glorified? What's the topic we're talking about? Who, another, what happened? Oh, another, I get what you're saying, another, another flood, but... But it was life. Of the Holy Spirit. Right. Flood of life to all the people of the world, and hmm. they either accept it or they do not accept it. But they were, he, he, he said, I'd never do that again. Right. But he flooded the entire world. I'm thinking of that because of that Tozer uh, quote we just did in the ocean. Yeah. I always use that quote. So we are completely swimming around in the Holy Spirit. So is your so are your buddies who don't believe in God. Oh yeah. Everybody. Everybody. And they either are gonna believe it or not. Yeah. And and yet God flooded the entire world with life this time. Yeah. Completely opposite. Complete it's crazy. It's so awesome. But that's yeah. that's where we live now, and that never ha- existed before. The Holy Spirit was in a cloud, or in you know, in the firmament, or it, He was never in the hearts of in them. the um the tabernacle, right? Is that what in it's, the tabernacle yeah. in the tent of meeting? He was he was behind the veil. He would go, he but he never was indwelling, Mm-mm. taking up his home in our hearts. And that's now we're back to you're never farther. You're as close to God now as you ever will be. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. That that, that um comparison i guess i don't know so we've talked about a little bit there's right there's a common idea that the holy spirit is a loftier sometimes too mystical or supernatural concept which is why many people either find it too maybe intimidating to attempt to understand or maybe too i don't know magical is the wrong word but too not practical maybe yeah and over overly complicated and i actually believe it ends up resulting in many times we've talked about in the opposite dynamic where it simplifies so much of our lifestyle, our Bible knowledge, our faith, our interpretation of stuff, our interactions with each other, the way we structure churches and the way we live in churches, etc. I believe it simplifies everything. Do you agree? If so, why? He does simplify everything. He turns religion back into relationship. Right. That's a big one. That's a big one. Religion is a bunch of things. Yeah. A bunch of uh, religion. You know, In the Bible, the word religion isn't used in a in a negative way, but we now in this cult, we know what we mean. Religion versus relationship. It's a relationship now. And the Holy Spirit is who, who, what give, who gives you that. Now, here's the cool thing is when you start, you start liking a um, Jeep and all of a sudden everywhere you turn, there's a Jeep. 
Yeah. Everywhere there's a Jeep. The car you never noticed before. Yep. And then you all of a sudden there these cars are everywhere or whatever it is. You see the thing, you suddenly well, that's how it was with the Holy Spirit for me. It just I started getting flooded. Hmm. After I got to know him and see him and recognize him with a few key things and key scriptures, and I mentioned some of them, but and it was through the relationships of my friends and and me trying to find answers that I then I met the Holy Spirit, really met him. I was like, oh my gosh, he, it's everywhere in the Bible. He is everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. I would be at sermons and I couldn't believe they, they would read. Okay. This is the space I was in. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They, they would either, there'd either be a lesson on, you got to do this, you got to do this and you got to do this. Right. And that was in the Bible. Right. But the problem is I would look three sentences above or three sentences below, and it would completely put it in context mm -hmm. with by the Holy Spirit, right. the power of the Holy Spirit. And taking that out, it means it's all on our shoulders. And it's all legalism and it's all rules. Right. But then I would hear a couple times, it wouldn't be about the Holy Spirit, but I would hear them, hear a person in their heart preaching, trying to counter all the doing. Right. Because that people do get, grasp legalism. Yeah. For whatever reason, they grasped that. And, and so they would, they would, but they would never fully give credit to the Holy Spirit. I'll give you some key ones that people don't think about. In Luke, there's the famous, uh, I think it's Luke 11, right? Uh, where the, the, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The give Lord's us prayer. Daily bread. Lord's prayer. That's what it's called. That's mm -hmm. the title it's right. given by somebody. I don't know. I, don't, I consider a different chapter to be Lord's prayer, John 17, because hmm. he's literally praying. But this one is really interesting. And this is one of them that hit me about, wow, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. So it says, John's disciples, those are the ones that believe that were told to repent and be baptized for the coming Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's important because that, that defines what I'm going to say later. His disciples said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. That's the context. The question isn't teach us to pray. Right. It was very specific. Teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples to pray. What's that mean? Hmm. Nobody even notices. I never noticed. I never noticed. I mean, it's, it's always, this is the outline the Lord gave us to this pray. This is the outline for prayer. That's why, and I it's mean, a good outline. I was in, at Catholic middle school every morning before school. We'd say that prayer word for word. <laughs> that's right. Because that's the prayer. And it's not a bad template. Sure. But as with many things, and this is a huge kind of revelation for me the last couple of years, it is it has altered my understanding of so many things and that is context mm -hmm. not just where this is in the bible but who is this person talking to which is so important <laughs> so important it's it's more important for right now for me it's one of those ones okay holy spirit's the answer yep but if i had been 10 years ago or 20 or 20 years ago and i, I would oh my gosh context you know that right. that's we need to do everything in context guys that's the answer well look of ephesians all the letters those are most. Those will be written to like the Jews, and 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 then to the Gentiles later. And if you don't realize Paul's talking to the Jews here, you just insert yourself into all those things, right? Because you're a Christian, and the Bible's written to you, right? When it's not true, mm -hmm. it's true for the Jews. Whereas you are a descendant of a Gentile, you'd be over here in this category. But it, it's not like you totally lose everything. You're still getting the glory of the Bible, kind sure. Of, uh, bathing over you, pouring over you. But, but it can mess things up. It's not up. to you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it messes things up. It's not to you. The Bible isn't a PSA, like a stage play put on to give us a lesson. It's these people's lives no. going through stuff. And it's, a, it's an account of it all. It's also, in this case, a letter to somebody specific. And I have to look at that and say, well, what applies to me? Right. It's not written to me. Mm-mm. It's written for me. Right. But it's, written, it's not written to me. So if I were listening to a conversation between you and mom, and I knew she was ta- giving advice to you or you giving advice to her, I would have to keep that in my head. I say, well, Ro- Austin said to mom this. I wonder how that applies to me. Not, right. not oh, well, then I too should go get my hair styled at the, you know, the female, the woman's boutique. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it, is that the advice mom was giving to me? What do you say? I don't yeah, do that. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. It was written to them. Right. There's a lot of things that matter. Okay. So it says, the context is, Jesus, teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples to pray. And then you have to think, well, what was that? That was, everything I know is is basically one one thing. And that was, John's prayer was praying for the one coming after him. That was the whole deal. Prepare yourself for the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. It was always about the next one coming. Yeah. Father, you know, pray when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, blah, 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 blah. You get through all that. Your kingdom. Then it goes on. It doesn't stop, but we stop. Right. It doesn't stop. It says, well, well, who, who, who has a father, even being evil, and their son asks for a fish, I can't remember, would, give, would be given a, would give him a snake. Yeah. And, and it gives a couple of examples of, of this is so, this is crazy. You, you, if you ask for something, God wants to give this to you. Right. And then at the very end, the last sentence of the lesson that Jesus is answering the question, how much more if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will he be given to you? And that's never the highlight of that ever. That's the entire prayer. Right. It's all leading up the to that to prayer. that through line. Nobody reads that. No. So so teach us to pray the way, so that whole prayer is, Father, you are holy. Your kingdom come, which I switch to the Holy Spirit comes. Sure. Your, why does the kingdom come? Because the Holy Spirit's coming. Right. Your will be done. How is your will going to be done on earth as it is in heaven? It's being done now. It's not future. Mm-hmm. It's being done now because the Holy Spirit's going to be here. Right. Now put that in context to a church. How does a church do the will of God? By surrendering to the Holy Spirit. By Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Your kingdom come, your will be done done on earth it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread today give me the manna that can only be used today or else it goes bad you can't collect it what my relationship with the holy spirit tell me what to do today right now yeah no no don't let me look at the bible and, and have the scripture that's going to apply to the next week right what do you what today give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespass forgive us trespasses as we forgive others how can you possibly forgive anybody without the holy spirit anyway and it goes on down and says how much more so if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will he be given to you? That's one. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so it's many all through the Bible like that. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing these things and I'm like, oh my gosh. So then when somebody would preach on the template for prayer and they read the first four lines, yeah. I go, oh my gosh. And I, I get bothered. Yeah. I'm like, we're missing so I, I would Because once you know it was, that, it's like we are stripping it of, of its value. Everything. Right. Everything, in my opinion, everything. Because now you're turning into a religion. You're literally telling somebody a template for prayer uh, by rote, right? Uh, like your t- uh, Catholic school. Yeah, you're literally telling them to do that prayer instead of. Uh, now, keep in mind context. That is the time the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. Right. It's not even a. Pr- it, it it can work as a template for now. 
right. as a surrender to the Holy Spirit. But it literally is not, that prayer isn't even for us. That whole thing was about, hey, you need to pray about the one coming after me. Right. This, this is what it's all for right here is for this. That's right. You, 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 want, you really want to know how to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? That's the context? Okay. Well, the one coming after you is going to be this guy, and you need to pray for him. You need to ask for him. That's what you need. Okay, so that that's just one of I, I can't countless where it's just Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in everything. I mean, you start seeing him in everything. The scripture I mentioned earlier, where it's uh, to him who's able to do a measure will be more. It says by the power in you, according to the power in you. That's how he does things. There's a scripture in Ezekiel. There's plenty of times where God shares the old covenant, what the old covenant deal was, which is basically obey me or be cursed. Right. Obey me and I will be your, obey me and I will be your God. Do not obey me and you'll be cursed. That's the old deal. The new one, which is my favorite version of it in the most in-depth one is Ezekiel 36:26. He says um I'll that one where it says I'll take your heart of stone mm-hmm. and make it a heart of flesh. I'm going to soften your heart. Yeah. This is what's going to happen in a couple thousand years or however many years. I'm going to take your heart of flesh, a uh, stone and make it a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new spirit, lowercase s. It's very specific. I'm going to give you a new spirit about you, a new spirit. And he says, then I'm going to give you my spirit, capital S, and cause you to To obey. obey. So basically, the old is disobey me and I'll curse you. The new one is, "Ah, I'll just do it for you. Right. I'll just do it for you. But you have to believe it and you have to know this Mm -hmm. and you have to surrender to it. But I will do it for, I will cause you to obey. That's the Holy Spirit. I'll put the spirit in my spirit in you, capital S and cause you spirit cause. He causes us to obey. We're still trying to obey. Obedience is still the promised land. Obedience is still the deal, but it's not a legalistic do it or else. It's know God more, know his spirit and be you. you, The more you know him, the more excited when God, God tells you to do something, you'll, you'll be, you'll either be like, Oh, I don't want to, like Jonah going to Nineveh, like he didn't want to do it. Right. I don't want to do it. I'm not, I can't, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna get on a boat. I'm going to be swallowed by a fish. I'm still not going to do it, but he ends up doing it. Or you're going to get to the point where you're like, I want to do this. It's every time I do it, I experience more of you. Right. Now magnify that into a church. How easy it is me knowing the Holy spirit, me trusting the Holy spirit, but my body, the embarrassment that's in front of me. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to Nineveh and tell them right. the good news. Multiply that by every leader, every member, for the most part, every in the church being t- not being not taught that, but taught humanistic, good Jesus virtues. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Yeah. It's absolutely not enough. So is he loftier? Yeah, I guess, but it's not. I remember when in church when our leader in our group was talking about that we were going to do a, a week long or a month long thing about the Holy spirit, which I was, it was, I was grateful for. And that was the first foray into that. But he kept saying things like, I mean, he just kept lifting it. Like it was such a lofty thing. Sure. And he kept saying fireworks, there's going to be fireworks, you know, as far as the conversation, I said, no, no fireworks. It's just, it's just normal. Just listen and obey. Yeah. Listen and obey. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So two more questions for you. The first is, what would you say to anyone who wants to develop a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit, but isn't sure how to do so? 
That's a good question. If I take that literal and you say, what would I say? If I literally was talking to somebody, yeah, I would say, look up the names of, the, of God, of the Holy Spirit. And, and the names usually are descriptive of who he is. Spirit of grace was a big one that impacted me because I never understood how grace seemed to offer power to Paul. He talks yeah. about being changed by grace. Well, you, you look up the names of the Holy Spirit and say, wow, okay, he's that. You look up at the word Holy Spirit or spirit and find out where he's mentioned in the Bible and see if he if it changes any of your perception of the things. Usually it'll be in where all the do's, do this, do that, and expect, and then the Holy Spirit will show up. You'll be oh. <laughs> go go into a, a Bible PDF on the computer and then control F and type in Holy Spirit. Okay. So it'll find every Holy Spirit mention in the Bible. Okay, right. So so yeah, so that's that's one way. And I and I'm I'm it's kind of academic, but the ultimate way is if you have any faith or belief or trust in anything that I'm saying right now, you will fall into the category of what I mentioned before when I was looking for God. And that was Jesus, if you exist, God, if you exist, show me, show yourself, do this to me and I'll, it'll be worth it. Do that because the promise is if you ask, seek and knock, ask and receive, seek, you will find, knock and the door will be open. There's more promises than that, but that is a truth. And that is true. You ask for him. And then Luke 11, how much more, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will he give him to you? God wants you to know him better. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you want to be technical about it, you don't know a third of God. Right. Like, obviously, we don't know much of God anyway, but, but if you're literally taking a third of who he is out and he's the one he's the the part of god that is over the kingdom right now right anyway that's probably what i'd say i'd say you can go academic with it you'll still find them but showing your interest and eagerness for this and i back it up by saying he is everything he is so is jesus so is god the father but without the communicating spirit without him leading you to Jesus. And here's the thing is the more you know the Holy Spirit, the more you are led to Jesus by default. Mm -hmm. I will say this. There's so many things in scriptures that the church theology is hinged on that make their way into our DNA. Theologically, you can't fix our church. It won't be fixed. It won't be fixed with a lawsuit. It won't be fixed, fixed. I'm talking about fixed. I'm not talking about dealing with issues. Yeah, fixed. It won't be, this won't be solved without the Holy Spirit being integral because the theology is very messed up. Now, I think I'm a Christian and I became a Christian there. Yeah. And most of my friends that I know did too. So this is the dichotomy. I think you can become a Christian anywhere. Yeah. You can, you know, you can give yourself and believe in Jesus and, and be saved. So I don't think the church is going to be fixed without the Holy Spirit, but I don't think it's going to be fixed at all ever because the theology is so in the DNA. It is built in that the way to salvation is to conquer sin. Right. It's built in for most that God is harsh. You've yeah. talked about it on other podcasts. It's built in. And there's reasons why it is. Somebody's more mature Christian might say, no, 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 that's not the way we believe at all. 
Well, maybe not now, and maybe you're struggling with it, but early on, when I started learning about the Holy Spirit, I would ask my good friends, I said, what, you know, this thing that says no con- there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, what does that really mean? Do you really, does that really resonate? He goes, they go, no, I need it. I feel like I need it. Yeah. And they'll say, legalism's good. Legalism works for some people. I go, no, it doesn't work for anybody. Oh, no, it does work for some people. No, you think it works, but the Bible says it doesn't work. It says it it, it looks like it works. It feels spiritual in Colossians. It feels spiritual, but it has no, you can can say, do not touch, do, do touch, do not taste, do not handle, but it has no effect and power over sensual indulgences. None. The Bible yeah. even is clear about it. And yet people will still hold on to this. And, and this is where you know, when you know wh- who God is more and who he's loving, you mentioned this in your last podcast, when you know that deep in your heart and it's not reading that way, I'll give you another example, how it pops up in the DNA. In some of the meetings in the end, close to the end of my time there, you know, I'd be with a leader and we'd be talking to an, a, a person. We, I'd say we, I was not a leader, but I was been around since the beginning and talking to a younger Christian about some sin they were involved in. And at one point, the leader brother, leader person says, bro, <laughs> it's always bro, bro, I don't know what God's going to do to you if you keep on doing that. Yeah. And then I stopped because I'm in this space where I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. I looked at him and I said, well, you're so sure with that threat. You tell me what God's going to do to him. Right. He goes, well, I don't know. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You just threatened him with the hand of God. Yeah. You just threatened him with a harsh threat that you don't even know. And that's, that is not right. And then, then what, what happens? And I go back, I'll go back to that. But what happens typically in those is three weeks later, you get with the person get with is a big loaded language. That's a big one too. get with, you get with this person. And let's say they haven't really figured it out. They're still struggling. The no. leader will often, this happens, people who are hearing this are going to go, oh yeah, it happened all the time. They'll go, bro, I haven't seen any real godly sorrow from you. I really don't. Now I'm threatening you to get right. Like first, I'm threatening you not to sin because God's going to do something to you. Yeah. And secondly, if you I come back and you haven't changed, you don't have godly sorrow. Bro, you better get some godly sorrow. Like, wait a minute. So what's interesting about that is that's in the DNA. That is a theological belief of God as to why that person would be willing to say that in that way to that person. Now, I want everybody who's listening to convert that into a hundred different conversations that are similar like that, where you can threaten with God's harshness where you can threaten with condemnation. Well, you know, it's not really condemnation. It's, 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 it's discipline. Okay. Okay. Now you're trying to get out of what that you really believe God's harsh. You believe he is a hard man and he's not a hard man. Right. And finally, last but not least, the question I ask every guest on this show, this podcast and my book are all about our crumpled papers, which are the ideas or beliefs that we may have at one time believed with full certainty, but at some point realized we need to reevaluate our perspective on. So what is one or a few of the biggest or most important crumpled papers of your own that you've had to unlearn and get a new understanding of? That Jesus was, was it. Yeah. God is it. And God is 
is all three. And we live in the era of the Holy Spirit. I said that in the beginning. That's what I didn't know in the beginning at church. Jesus brought me, the Holy Spirit brought me there, taught me about Jesus. But day two, I, I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. And what I now, what I had to unlearn or had to let go of was this religious, noble concept that, oh, if I say, if I even say the Holy Spirit even competes with Jesus, yeah, then I'm wrong. And that's not true. They're, they're, they're one. Mm-hmm but you have to have the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. So, so I, I guess I'll leave it with that because since our whole thing is about the Holy Spirit, the, and it truly is true. The biggest thing that I was sure of was Jesus was everything. And now I know it. God is everything. And that includes the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good. And that's all I got. Dad, thank you for coming on this episode and divulging and talking all things Holy Spirit. I know it was a, it was a long one. Um, it was long, but it was chock full of really good stuff. So thanks for coming on, Dad. Well, I'm very proud of you. I'm very, very proud of you. I have said, I've never told you this, but get ready. Uh-oh. I remember being in a conversation with two of the guys I've, I've mentioned on this episode and saying, uh, because there was some stuff that had happened to you, your books about it. And I remember breaking down in tears saying that, that boy is a better man than I am. Hmm. And I think you were what 15 at the time, but it really hit me. And, and, and I don't say that with any, what's the word um, shame of who I am. I really mean it because I mean, uh, I think any father would want to be able to say that about their kid. And I'm like, Hey, God's got me, but (laughs) I'm really, really proud of you. And, and doing this podcast, the way you're doing it, I mean, there's no hate in your heart about it. You feel stuff, but you're you're not you're not trying to get a pound of flesh. Yeah. Well, what did we say last night? An ounce of repentance. You'll take that over a oh, yeah. pound of flesh. An ounce <laughs> yeah. of change, I'll take over a pound of flesh, please. Yes. That's good. ounce of the spirit over a pound of flesh. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, my son. I love you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dad. That's it for this episode, guys. I will see you next episode. Until then, peace out. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.